good. Yeah. Yeah, you can hold hands or put your hand out to receive what God has for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, the Lord is saying this. He says he wants you to rest in him. Uh, Put your cares on him. Cast daily. Cast all of your cares on him. Uh, And God is saying this. He says he has ordained this, this time in your life for enjoyment, for peace, for rest. For recreation, for worship, for prayer, for honor, for witnessing, and for being a witness and standing watch over that which I have entrusted to you, says the Lord. And as you uh, keep those things in mind, uh, says the Lord, and understand that your your every provision I have already made provision for. Your every need I've already made provision for that. And the Lord is saying that I, I had you work diligently in your early life and set aside to enjoy this time, not to fret. Uh, so fret not over things, minor things, the Lord says. Minor things are the things that are perishable, things that will that'll burn up with the using. Uh, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Uh, the financial provision. He says fret not about those things because I've made plans for that and I've made ample provision for you to enjoy this time in your life and just rest in me and trust me says the Lord no cares no worries cast them all on me and live the carefree life Uh, for certainly you've earned the right to rest now at this time in your life says the spirit of the living God thank you Jesus praise God praise God praise God praise God Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Glory. 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 Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. The Lord is saying also, he says, your legacy uh, to this earth will be faithfulness to me, says the Lord. It will be faithfulness to me. Because I look at the road that you have taken in life and I I examine everything. And in the end, I judge you faithful, says the Lord. I judge you faithful, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay, why don't we get started. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. You've made it for us to rejoice and be glad in. And you've made it for us to be witnesses to you in this area that you've given us as your property. Thank you, Lord, that there is a harvest in this area for your kingdom. Not for us, but for your kingdom. Grant us, Father, that we might harvest those things, those precious souls that you love and you hold dear. And so we thank you, Lord, for the harvest that's out there. Thank you, Lord, to place it into our hands. We honor you and we love you. And thank you, Lord, for blessing this time that we have to share your word in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. So I I had a couple of... Of, of thoughts or a couple of 
things that I thought I'd share today. So maybe we'll have two topics or something like that. Two little mini stories. Um, they might be connected. Maybe, maybe yay, maybe nay. Uh, but, <laughs> but I thought I'd talk to you about faith and, and uh, faith and relationship to how we relate to others and the environment around us and, and, uh, you know, some of the things I think that, that disturb our faith have to do with external things, uh, like, uh, circumstances surrounding us. The environment that we are, are, I guess you could say we're creating in a way, but in a way not. Because some environments you don't have a whole lot of control over until you learn how to master, uh, you know, commanding your environment. And, and very few Christians do. You know, you just it's just something I think sometimes we live from one emergency to the next or one prayer to the next and we don't ever think... It can get any different or any better. But I know that we all possess an internal spiritual environment that we have total control over. What you think about, meditate on, how you evaluate uh, situations in your life have everything to do with your internal spiritual climate. And so this is something that I think God uh, works with us a great deal to get mastery over so that we're 100% invested in his kingdom. So my first little story is about the fact that faith keeps coming. Amen. Faith keeps coming. Amen. Faith keeps coming. So there is a forward motion to our faith. Your faith is never for you standing still and getting blessed where you are. And I don't mean that in a natural sense, but I mean that in a spiritual sense. You must keep coming in your faith. You must keep making progress uh, with your faith. Why do I say that? Because it is the Bible says faith without works is dead. So your works are taking you somewhere. They're taking you from one level of spiritual accomplishment to the next level. Uh, your faith is taking you from one realm of God's glory to the next realm. So there are levels and realms that we can dwell in and that we can draw from. But your faith is always looking for the greater. And I think that's something we have to understand about faith because many times when we have to leave one place of, of, um, progress and move to something else or something more challenging we we are a little disturbed you know we we want everything to come to us in fact it's very common to think that that's how God operates is you know we operate and we're waiting on God and uh, all this kind of stuff that you know so many common phrases that we use it gives the impression that God is going to bring everything to us and plunk it right in our laps and nothing could be farther from the truth uh really god wants to uh not let us get settled in this present world he does not want us to get 
to the place where we're just planted and we never have an, an understanding of moving beyond where we are. Uh, God wants us to understand that. And, and the other part of it too is God is in full control uh, when, when he can call the shots. If we could call the shots, I'll tell you one of the things that, that staying in one place or one level does is it gets us more in control of our lives than it does God. Because then we're accustomed to, well, if I pray like this, it'll happen like that. And if I pray like this, it'll happen like that. And that makes it real easy for the devil to strategize against us and defeat us and keep us in a place where we can't really uh, move too quickly or move too powerfully. Uh, and it keeps us tied into the natural. Where our, our ears are more in tuned to what's going on in the natural realm. So when faith challenges us to invest more, invest more time in the word, invest more uh, time confessing the word and speaking the word and all of that, uh, it, it keeps us in a forward progression in other words faith is active and alive it's not stagnant it's always on the increase Uh, the disciples even came to Jesus and asked him to increase their faith so there's a sense in us sometimes that something needs to change within us and, and give us more power more determination and more understanding so faith will really propel us forward. It keeps us moving forward and, and without stop. And so uh, uh, we'll, we'll turn to Matthew chapter 15 and verse <clears throat> 22. We'll start there. Now uh, I'm just going to refresh. I'm not going to turn to the scripture. But there was a scripture where the um, the disciples asked the Lord. They said, Lord, increase our faith. Amen. And and oftentimes Jesus would rebuke them because they had an opportunity to solve the problem themselves, but they wouldn't use their faith. They would get in a situation where they got their faith going and then they quit because it didn't happen like they thought it should. And so this faith thing was always a a situation issue problem for them. And you'll see that over and over in Jesus' teachings. And if it was true for them, it's got to be true for us. So faith can, can uh, and, and I think it's because we want the faith that we use for the last blessing to be adequate for the next one. And it seldom is. Amen. Or if it is adequate, Jesus being the author and finisher of our faith has the perfect right to delay that blessing And command that we apply greater faith, greater effort, greater concentration. For the most part though, I believe that the faith that we first use really is not adequate for us to possess what it is that we're looking for. So in response to that, Jesus told them, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you would say. So number one, faith is spoken, isn't it? It's expressed in our words. So when you pray, you're not only asking, but you're expressing your faith. When you pray, you are giving God the address that you want him to deliver your package to. So it has to come out of you. 
It can't be that you are depending on somebody else's prayer. Somebody else's agreement. You're depending upon God's mercy. Oh he knows where I am. He knows my need. Blah this blah that. That faith must be expressed through your voice. It has to be expressed through your actions. And so when you express your faith. You are giving God the location. That you want to have that promise delivered to. Other than that he doesn't know where you are. Remember when people would come to Jesus with obvious problems and he'd say what can I do for you? It's because your faith has to be expressed by you. You know you don't just wait for God to know what's wrong with you and then come and help you. It says ask and it will be given. Seek you will find. You must initiate the blessing with your faith. It's got to be expressed. So when Jesus talked to them about uh, uh, having faith as a grain of a mustard seed and speaking it to a mountain. Hmm. So we've got a situation here where you've got a little bitty seed confronting a great big thing that's established already. Like your bills. You're going to always have bills. That's what my late husband used to say. He said, we're going to always owe somebody something. And so, uh, or, uh, your, your, your neighborhood where there's sinners causing trouble or whatever it is. There's always mountains that your faith will have to take down. And when you first begin to speak, it seems very inadequate. So the comparison of a small sea trying to take down a mountain is very accurate of what happens when we first begin to pray. But he said if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed you can do it. But it doesn't say it will happen right away. And it doesn't say it's going to take it down in one operation. It doesn't say when but it says it's possible. And so that's why most of us pray. That's why we continue to pray that faith keeps coming. It makes you keep coming against something that's much bigger than it. Your faith doesn't care how big the mountain is. He just knows the mountain can move. So think about this. Have you ever seen a rock, a large rock that's split and they look underneath and they see a tree is sprouting up? Well that tree started out as a very small seed didn't it? Or have you seen a, 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 if people have, um, unearthing things or excavating. You'll see rocks underneath the soil way down deep. And you'll see some roots of a tree wrapped around a rock. See that's this principle in motion. That thing started as a little seed but it's on the way to taking down that rock. You understand? Because it's rooted. The rock is is where it is. But that tree is rooted and it continues to grow. See, rocks can only do so much. They can be moved together. They can be broken up. They have a limited amount of power. But the tree, because it's growing, has unlimited power to come against that thing and overtake it. And that's the way we need to look at our faith. Our faith has unlimited power to confront problems, confront issues, confront trouble, 
confront anything and take it down. So your faith will prevail over everything. It will not fail. Now Jesus say that. He told uh, Peter. He said Simon. He said the devil Satan has, has, has asked for you. He wants to sift you like wheat. He said but I have prayed for you. And your faith will not fail. So you got to understand that about your faith. Because the first thing the devil will tell you it's not adequate and it never will be. Well devil you are a liar. Because everywhere I look in the Bible it started out inadequate but it ended up with a victory. Amen. And so this is this is what you have. He constantly tries to get us to quit. He constantly tries to get us to give up. He lies to us about our faith. Your faith is the same faith as that of the son of God. That's why he lies to you about it. It's the same spirit and the same faith that raised Jesus from the dead. You've got resurrection power in your faith. You've got demolition power in your faith. Amen. You've got power to tread on serpents and scorpions in your faith. And so I can tell you without fail that the enemy will attack and malign your faith more than he will anything. Amen. Your faith and your righteousness, they're the same thing. Amen. So he accuses you of doing something wrong and that's why you can never get what you want when you want it and all this kind of stuff. That's all a lie. Amen. Because Jesus has made it so that we are his righteousness when we come to him by faith. And so here we see in Matthew chapter 15, this woman is a woman who's not in covenant with God. She's an outsider. So I'll call her an outsider. And and so this here's an outsider trying to get inside. Amen. Because she sees that there is something going on with this rabbi or this master, this teacher who's going around teaching and doing good. He's teaching, preaching and healing. And that's what what they what Jesus' ministry was known for, and so she's on the outside, but she's got to find how to enter in. And that's all of us when we start. You know, if you have a need in your life, you're on the outside. Because if you weren't on the outside, you wouldn't have any a need. Amen. Your faith is is hanging out on the outside of that area of need. And you need to get your faith inside where it can work. And it can accomplish what you need. A woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him saying have mercy on me O Lord thou son of David my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil and he answered her not a word and his disciples came and besought him saying send her away she's pestering us amen now Jesus didn't say things to people to offend them amen that's not the purpose so when these things situations come up and you can see Jesus has one thing in mind and his disciples have another thing in mind it's to let you know that this is a teaching situation and the disciples are spiritually clueless and so they're in the flesh when you're spiritually clueless you're in the flesh. 
So their response is always a flesh response. When Jesus doesn't answer her, there's a reason why he doesn't do it. Now why do you think he didn't do it? A lot of reasons. But sometimes we don't answer because we don't have one right then. Or sometimes we don't answer because God doesn't give us the answer right away. Or he allows silence to do a certain level of work on people. You ever speak to somebody and they ignore you? How does that make you feel? Makes you feel small. Amen. So he delays speaking to her. The words don't answers don't come right away. And in that silence those who are in the flesh pick up a different attitude or pick up a different vibe or pick up a wrong answer. And they express it. So here we are. We're, we're in a situation where this woman's a Canaanite. She is not a covenant woman. These were outsiders. These were strangers of the covenant. Now you need to understand that throughout Israel's history. They always had converts. Always. God never from the beginning of, of their, their story. Uh, Abraham started out with his servants. Who came from here there and everywhere. Those were converts. He circumcised them and they were accepted in the covenant. So they were converted Jews. They were not Jews by birth. And so there were many many people who had that designation. Why? Because God accepts everybody's faith. God will bless people who come to him in faith. And they don't even have to be converted later. You got me? Whenever you put your faith in God, it's accounted as righteousness. Righteousness is always dependent upon you staying close to God. So as Christians, we have a covenant and we have intermittent righteousness sometimes. Sometimes we're doing everything we know to do right. And sometimes we just say, hey, you don't feel like it today. You're in a bad mood. Blah, blah, blah. You, you understand what I'm saying. Uh, but our righteousness can be renewed because we're covered with the blood. You see what I'm saying? And so God, God expects us to walk in righteousness, to walk in faith at all times and, and be faithful people. But here this woman is an outsider and she knows it. So she enters in by the amount of faith that she has. So she speaks her mustard seed. And she says, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. So he didn't say anything. This silence does something to everybody in the situation. For her, it probably makes her a little bit angrier to be ignored. Just like it would you or me. You know, people can come into a building. If everybody don't speak to them, they're angry because somebody ignored them. You know, this is a very common reaction to not being acknowledged. You got me? Many times, you know, I see people still fighting over whether somebody refers to them as apostle or, you know, well, you weren't that last week. 
You were something else. We don't know what to call you. You understand what I'm saying? And so uh, this address thing, an acknowledgement thing is is very, very touchy issue with most people. You got me? Uh, Over the years, though, you learn to get over yourself. And forgive people and just keep it moving. Cause really, as long as you know who you are and God knows where you are, you don't have a problem. You understand me? And so this people issue is something that you know it it gets you in trouble a lot. Period. But I think sometimes it's especially true with with God's people. You know, because we can we can get crazy real quick about stuff. You know, you go up to the altar and you're humble. And then on the way there, the devil tells you, uh, you know, that lady ain't anointed. You understand what I'm saying? You get up there and you don't tell half of what God wanted you to tell so you can get some help. That's crazy. And so this is what's happening to this lady. She had all kind of thoughts going in her mind while she's talking to the Lord about her daughter. One of the issues is that you can tell she's coming to him. In kind of a spirit of self-pity. Because she says have mercy on me. Because I got a sick daughter. You understand? So she's looking at herself getting relief. More than having compassion on her daughter. And this is this is something that God fixes for all of us. Uh, because if you're going to intercede for somebody, an intercessor is a person who stands in the stead of the other person. So you've got to present it just like you would present it for yourself. Though you're doing it on behalf of somebody else. So you're going to have to identify with them. You're going to have to have some compassion for them. You've got to have some mercy for them. And this lady doesn't because she is not a Jew. And she doesn't know how to approach the throne of God. She's just throwing it out there the best way she can. And and I can remember when I was new in the things of God. Every time I went to a Bible study or to a church where they had an altar call. Um, you know I had to I had to tell everything and I had to get all my problems resolved in one time and you know it was all about me 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 and little by little I began to understand that that place was not designed for me to dominate people's time with my problems and so little by little you begin to understand that you are going to be taught some things you don't know yet about God and this is the place this lady is in she's in a teachable as they say teachable moment that's so cliche but this is a time for God to be able to teach her some things about him about his law and about how to receive from him and and this is why we have church this is why we have healing schools this is why we have meetings where teaching goes on this is teaching was 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 verbally most of Jesus's ministry he would sit down explain the scriptures to them explain what he's doing all of this there is great teaching needed among God's people all of the time and sometimes your teaching comes in process while you're at the altar getting trying to get your need met they will there will come a time where you will have to be taught how to receive release your faith all this kind of stuff so she's in need of teaching and jesus knows it 
She's a Canaanite, which means that she's probably worshipping Baal or some form of of uh, foreign god. And and really, people who sacrifice their children don't have a lot of regard for human life. So that's kind of what probably explains her glib attitude about the daughter being a problem to her you see uh, many times and, and this is true of, of, of people in general many times if, if your children start giving you problems you're not as you know satisfied or, or you know sometimes people get the impression uh, their children are there to please them instead of vice versa if they give you problems you want to kind of like don't want to own anything about them. Yeah, I didn't raise you like that. You do this one more time. Yeah, I'm gonna let him push you out of here. And there's so many kids wandering around streets because they know they're not welcome in their homes. That's why human trafficking is up to record numbers because it, people quit so quickly. You know, and and many times people are disappointed in life. You know, and their kids are part of their lives. And so, you know, they'll get disappointed in that respect very quickly. But if you're away from God, it's easy for you to pick up an attitude like this, you know. So this this girl's given her problems. This woman, her mother wants God to have mercy on her because her daughter's out of control. He answers her not a word. The disciples get all in the flesh with it and think it's time for them to mistreat her, push her away. But then he answered. So he had an answer for her. It just wasn't time to give it. Amen. This reveals the heart of people to me. Situations that kind of get into that don't flow like the normal. They will reveal the hearts of people who are involved in the situation. For this lady she knows nothing about God. So she's going to be in the flesh. The disciples supposedly know God and they're in the flesh too. So where it doesn't flow like it's supposed to flow, you can expect that the devil will push somebody to act out. And somebody to try and get out of control and somebody to get in the flesh. And so he says, I'm only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she kept coming. Her faith made her keep coming. See most people would have stopped right there. When he told her. I'm not here for you. I'm only here for the Jewish people. Well how would you feel? Already he's kind of ignored her. The disciples want to push her away. And it seems like he kind of validates what they're doing. With his answer. And they're probably thinking oh yeah you know she better get away now. Because he he'd have told her she better get away. This is how your faith is developed folks. You might get some wrong answers. You might get some no answers. You might get some uncertain answers. Even though you have faith, you see a promise of God in the word. How many times have we thought to ourselves in in process before your answer gets here? Have we wondered, did I really hear from God right? Did he really tell me? Now, 
I think I remember praying. Well, well, okay, I believe I received when I prayed, but I can't remember when I really did pray. Did I really pray for this? Did I? Now, if you haven't, you will. Because you will pick your own soul apart. Going through there trying to remember what you did, what you did wrong, what you did right. If you're on the right track. Did God really tell me? Or I know I got a prophecy but I don't know if that was God or not. Because I don't think I remember praying for that. And God won't give me anything that's not a confirmation. You understand what I'm saying? We can get really squirrely and really stupid. Well this is what was going through this lady's mind. She's kind of picking through her head saying, now wait a minute. I think I remember seeing some lepers and some Canaanites get healed. You know, she's trying to figure out, now wait a minute. Now he said he only come to certain people. Now I think I remember so-and-so coming up there and getting their healing. But instead of her confessing that to him and running the risk of offending him... Huh? Isn't that what we do? Instead of saying, God, listen, I've done what you told me to do. Now, I can't think of nothing that's keeping me from getting what I'm supposed to get. And I'm expecting it to come, you know. Instead of being honest like that, we do something with what she does. Look at what she does first. She comes and worships him. Huh? Falls on her knees in front of him. Begging. Ever been there? I have. Can't think of nothing else to do, so. (laughs) So we beg. (laughs) She said, Lord, help me. She's still focusing on herself. But he answered, he said, it's not right to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said this, that's true Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Now where did that come from? That came from the faith that she had inside of her all the time that wasn't getting expressed. See there are times when you have adequate faith on the inside of you but you don't quite know how to express it. Hmm? Why? Because you're trying to remember all the steps and formulas you got off the last teaching you heard on YouTube. Or the last list you you uh, got from so and so's ministry. And they asked you to sow a seed and you get your prayer answered. Huh? Or the last this or the last that. See we can all go back through our minds through our lists and our archives and pull up something that we hope is going to work. But the only thing that's going to work in all situations is the truth about how we feel about our present situation. And put it before God and let him help you work through. See your your faith can be entangled in wrong ideas, wrong feelings, wrong teaching, wrong everything. It, 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 it forms a web around your faith. Your soul does. See you can believe God but if you do this you think you can't get it. 
You can believe God, but if you go here, you can't get it. You can believe God, but there's something else in the end. I'm speaking the word, I'm believing God, but yet and still we think there's something else we need to do that we haven't done yet that's different that's going to give us our breakthrough. See, when you hit a wall or you hit a a delay like this lady did, she got two delays. Two from Jesus and one from the disciples. So, so, so it's like everybody's against her. I believe she took that attitude into the situation with her. That's what her faith was tangled up in. How does she feel? She feels inadequate. She feels like she's not supposed to, to have anything. Amen? What what happens is when we get involved in faith, we have a tendency instead of staying with the word and staying focused and walking by faith, walking by the word, we let all these distractions come in, all these outside things. And one of the things that we like to do is compare our faith with somebody else's, compare our situation with somebody else's. And when you go outside and start comparing, you've already condemned your faith to being inadequate. See, faith in God is faith in God. I don't care how big, how small, whatever. It's always sufficient to get the job done. But if we hesitate... If we uh, lose hope or if we start the comparison thing or if we think about all the things we did wrong or what we didn't do this right or we didn't do that right. All of that forms a web that ensnares our faith and gets it locked up to where it can't be expressed. When Jesus said where is your faith? He means why aren't you expressing your faith the way it's supposed to be expressed? Why aren't you saying what you really believe? Why aren't you telling me with confidence that you want your daughter healed? Why are you trying to make me do this for you because you're you're you your your daughter's your daughter's a burden. Uh, you got trouble and everything's so bad. And he said, "Why are you trying to make me feel sorry for you?" To give you what you want. I can give you what you want without feeling sorry for you. I can give you what you want on the basis of I promised it to you. If you come to me in faith. And so here he's working with her to get her untangled from her attitudes. Because being a Canaanite she already knows the Israelites look down on her people. She already knows the Pharisees don't ever come there and try to pray for anybody. So she's probably one of these women that, you know, okay, Jesus is out here. And these, what is he doing out here among us? Then people never come out of that temple and come to help anybody that really needs help. They only help their own people. So she's already feeling anger. Resentment, animosity. And he knows it. So her faith is entangled in her mental condition. Men. When she starts out, Jesus notices that there is a distance in her voice. Have mercy on me because my daughter's sick. 
So that's why he doesn't answer. Amen. Because her faith is still bound up in her feelings. That's true for us too. Sometimes when you first ask you are barely believing. You just feeling it out to see what God might say. (laughs) If you can hold on to it. Amen. This distance and this entanglement has to be eliminated. So how do we eliminate this feeling of inadequacy, distance, entanglement in our thoughts? I'm not sure if he wants me to have it. I'm not sure if I ever really prayed for this. I don't know if, if, you know, if I'm ever going to get this or things ever going to change. How do we get out of that? That distance that we feel? It's through the blood. The Bible says we draw nigh by the blood of Jesus. So for the believer, it's confessing, God, I don't even know if I'm supposed to have this. I got so confused now, I'm not even sure. I'm not sure I want it. I'm so mad and waiting and and believing and trying and doing. I'm doing the best I can. I go to service all the time and I do what I'm supposed to do and, and it's still not here. You understand me? Sometimes you need to confess what's really on your mind. Well, people say, well, God knows. No, you need to confess. You don't get anything without confession. You don't get uh, your sins forgiven without confessing them. And this is sin. This is an animosity. This is a bad attitude between you and God. And this is this is how you acknowledge the blood when you're a believer through your confession. You know, not just I plead the blood, but you need to honor the blood by confessing your 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 sin against it. You got me? And so when you go into the, the throne room of God, you acknowledge your sin. You acknowledge your wrongdoing. You acknowledge, God, I want to come closer. You know, I know people try to make you believe you don't have to do that. But there's never a time where I said, Father, forgive my sins that I didn't feel the anointing increase because the Holy Spirit honors it and he will witness. So I don't care if you're close to God already. You can get closer. You can get closer. You can get to a place where you've never been before where God will open up secrets and wisdom and knowledge and understanding to you. Anybody who tells you to ignore your sin is an idiot. You got me? And they're robbing from you. So we draw nigh by his blood. The confession of sin or feeling of inadequacy or perplexity can get us closer when you confess that. Why? When you confess a devil hanging on to you, he's got to move. God, I feel confused. That thing lifts right off of you. God, I feel perplexed. That lifts right off of you. Amen? All you're acknowledging is you're feeling something that's not from him hindering your relationship with him. It's not a bad confession. It's a good one. Amen? So acknowledging the blood always removes that feeling of distance, inadequacy, condemnation, something's not right, I know it's something I got to do, all of that stuff. Amen? So in verse 24, he, he starts to pinpoint her problem. Where he says I'm only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's starting to reveal 
what's in her heart to her. Don't be surprised when you're going through your little harangue if God reveals what's hindering you. Huh? And you're thinking, man, you know, I just slipped back over into doubt again. Or I slipped back over into condemnation again. I've been thinking too long on the wrong thing. And that's how I got here. And it's the truth. So he starts to pinpoint her problem to her. And, and when that happens, when you start to, un, when God starts to unearth these things that you've hidden, or the enemy's trying to hide from you, just own it, okay? Just say, God, I see that. I see what's hindering me now. It's really revelation and truth and unmasking are really a blessing. But look, because look at how many people walk around in darkness and are blind and they never get their eyes opened. So whenever you get the eye opener from God, be quick to accept it and confess and say, God, I see that. I see what I'm doing now. I see how I've slipped off and, and, and stopped feeding my faith. I've quit. I've let my mind wander and start to doubt again. Please forgive me, Lord. Get me back where I need to be. Get me out of this realm of doubt and, and get me back over into faith again. And so when he starts to pinpoint it, then we have to own it and not try to push it away, cover it up, and do the blame game, the hot potato. To be honest, faith levels the playing field for everybody because everybody has to come to God by faith. And this is something that this Canaanite woman didn't know. The Jews have to come to him by faith too. So there's no privileged group of people coming to God. As believers, we are coming to him by faith, just like somebody who's on the outside has to come by faith. And so Jew and Gentile both had to get over feeling inadequate. Or in the case of the Pharisees, they felt entitled because they obeyed the law. And so that was done away with as Jesus preached and taught. That's why they got mad at him for uh, eating with sinners and publicans and and you know and he you know and Jesus said in my peeps he said I came for the sick not y'all well people you know you people on your health diets that don't need to take the word for your healing you know keep keep moving right but you gonna need this one day amen. So he, when Jesus told her she wasn't included, Amen. So she she decided to to imitate what the Jews did, fall on her face, worship. You know, she didn't care what she did, but she was going to the next thing that she knew to try to do to impress him. That she was doing something that would qualify her. So really, she's in works. When you get in works, you lose faith. It's interesting how Jesus handled her works. He let her do them. Amen? Just like he'll let us do works until we see they don't work. Amen? We think, oh boy, if I get up and confess the word from from the time I get up to the time I lie down. I'll get my healing faster. 
You're in works. If I do this 50 times a day. It's gonna, unless it comes from God. Now God's instruction to you is. You know three times a day. You come to me. And you meditate on the word. And blah 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 blah. But actually Proverbs 4 tells you to do it day and night. Don't let it depart from my heart. Keep it in the midst of your heart. You understand what I'm saying? So every time you think of what you need. You should be meditating on the word. Amen. In order to obey that scripture. So then it's not works. It's faith in that scripture and this is how you demonstrate it you got me there's a difference because you can pick up works without faith and see that's where this lady was her faith was hindered by the thought that she was inadequate and less than the Jewish people and that's why God was not going to bless her and Jesus was not going to let her continue to believe that because it was a lie so he has to clear all the lies out of our minds and get us down to where the rubber meets the road get us down to our bare knuckle faith and he knows how to do it and the way he did it with her is the way he does it with us by delaying our answer until we get it right because your faith is no good if it's entangled in all of these crazy ideas and I'm not this and God didn't do that and oh he did this for so and so and he's got to do it for me and that's not true either so your faith has to be freed up from all these thoughts that entangle it and limit it in its power so in verse 26 Jesus starts to read her mail when he tells her this he said no it's not right for me to take the children's bread and give it to dogs now that dog idea was something that the Pharisees that's how they referred to anybody who wasn't a Jew amen and very often they would not associate with them there are some rabbis now who won't look a Gentile in the face you know even if they're Christian we're serving the same well we we have a covenant it's on a different level but you know we we have the same God they don't acknowledge that they acknowledge uh, what they feel you know is adequate so you know they that kind of thinking and and then you'll see it in Christians too Uh, certain times people certain people don't get to eat with the pastor you know it's just crazy stuff uh the inner circle and the you know leadership and all these old crazy terms they throw around and to separate people you know and and uh <laughs> we, people always have to have this big mean little you this acceptable unacceptable bunch this it's you know it's mind-boggling very much mind-boggling so he begins to reveal her heart to her he he didn't say you think you're a dog because because see you have to be careful how you express things and let the holy ghost guide your words because even though it may be truth it can come out as an accusation 
if you don't word it in a way that people can't escape what you're saying and let God guide your tongue, they can easily argue with you and refuse the revelation. That was a very well known phenomenon. Everybody was aware that the Pharisees looked at Gentiles as dogs. So what Jesus does is he brings it out to her in a way that she can't grab onto it and argue with it. So he says it's not right for me to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. And she received that before she had a chance to block it. And I don't think I don't think I don't think you think that. See, because the mindset she was in, she was already making excuses and manipulating. So a good manipulator will take your words and turn them around so they don't have the meaning they're supposed to have. So you have to say what God tells you to say when you're in these situations. At some point, you're going to be able to get through to people if God gives you true revelation. Like Jesus got through to her immediately. But suppose she she would have said, well you're a man of God. I don't believe you think like that. He could have been standing there for days. Yes you do. No I don't. Yes you do. No I don't. Yes you do. No, Because she's trying to prove her worthiness when she first gets there. So he has to obey. That's why he's slow in saying anything to her. He's waiting for the Holy Spirit to tell her exactly how to say it, when to say it. If he had said something like, we don't look down on you, we consider you just like everybody else, then why don't you let me go to the temple and get my heal? Why why did they turn me away when I went to the temple last? You understand what I'm saying? People are expert at getting out of it. So he tells her this. and, And he tells her, it's not right for me to take our bread and give it to you because you're a dog and she finally gets angry enough to get honest you ever have people get get say something to you and they say I didn't mean that well they thought it all it came out of them so they must have thought it you know what I'm saying I mean it's not it's not anything to murder anybody over you understand what I'm saying but that's just how the human mind goes you know certain places you're not going to be able to cover up and hide how you real what you really think you're not going to be able to hide how you really feel you're not going to be able to hide anymore so in the in the presence of a prophet you can't hide if that anointing is on them to reveal truth so quit trying you understand what I'm saying? I mean, come on now. We're supposed to be here for honesty. We're supposed to be here to fake out each other. Amen. Most of our conversation is done sometimes just to fake each other out and put put a good face forward. You know, pretend. Yeah, people are good at that. We don't we don't like who we are, and we don't want people knowing who we really are. And the truth is, we just like them. We're all exactly like each other in so many ways, you know. (laughs) Why are you feeling so different, you know? So he begins to reveal her heart to her in a very unique way. 
the Holy Ghost way will always get God results. Amen. So Jesus answered to her, and she when she said that yet the dogs can eat of the crumbs which falls from the master's table, he realizes she knows she's entitled to it. How does she know that? How do you know you're entitled to something from God? Your faith lets you know. If you believe you've received it, you must at some point. See, this is the thing. When you are are feeding yourself the word and you're searching through the scriptures because you have a problem or you have something you need from God. At that point, your heart is filled with faith and you pray in the faith that fills your heart at that time. And that's the time you're to believe you receive it because your faith is there for it. So if you've if you've gotten to that point, you've moved out all your feelings of inadequacy long enough to get the faith for that thing to dwell on the inside of you. But three weeks later, you're back feeling inadequate again. So then God has to untangle your faith from all your mental. What did you go through the last three weeks? I almost got fired. I was mad at my boss. I did, he didn't treat me right over here. And I didn't get this here right here. And, that, and then I could, I've been trying to call my old man for three weeks and he ain't answering the phone. Amen. So no wonder you feel inadequate. You've been living in the real world. <laughs> and not keeping short accounts with God like we're supposed to, but that's all right. God can help you still. He says, Woman, great is your faith. He said, You had faith for this all along, but you hid it under your pretense of being pitiful. How many of you know God don't answer beggars? Being pitiful. Talking about how bad your life at home was with your daughter. Then you tried to worship me. Because you think that's what I like. That's going to move me. Huh? You done tried all the shenanigans and you didn't get nowhere. He said, but the minute I provoked you and made you mad enough to make you know you deserved it, you blurted out what you really believed. Huh? He'll work with us. You know, sometimes you need to put your little formulas down, folks. Amen? And just start talking to God. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, he's God. He's listening. And then we looking through all this and trying to find yet. Oh, I like that. Was where's that video I like so much? You know. Oh, well, yeah, that's good. Get that. But you got to talk to him too. You got me. You you do your best. When you know, we said plead a uh, 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 lawyer up. You got to lawyer up now. You got to go to your advocate because he has the 
counsel, the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding. He knows how you feel. He can do just what he did for this. He can do this for you. Just what he did for her. He can do for you. And that is untangle your faith from all the unbelief. All your upset because it's taken so long. All your regret because you should have done this this way and would have worked for you. And you should have done this that way and that would have worked for you. He can untangle all of that for you so that you can still receive what he has for you. He will help your faith. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. So he allows this woman to confess not directly but she confesses with with her response how she felt and what she probably says was these I I can't stand these Hebrews because they treat us like dogs they even call us dogs and now they've got a holy man healing people and they still treat me like a dog but I'm going to go anyway see that faith in her is what tells her go anyway in spite of how inadequate you feel go anyway in spite of walking away from God you knew you were doing wrong you go anyway amen you go anyway and you present yourself so each time she is refused her faith actually gets stronger faith is confidence See she determined now not to leave there without something. Because she's, she's got it in her mind somewhere that this man is going to help her in spite of all the traditions. In spite of all the customs. In spite of all the nonsense. And deep down inside she knows he's her only help. And she wants her daughter healed badly. And so she continues to come back and come back and come back. So in verse 28 he tells her, great is your faith. He says, let it be unto you even as you want. He said, you can have your way because your faith is great. And her daughter was made whole from that hour. From the hour that she believed. The hour that she expressed her faith. Jesus was always willing if he if he healed one person that she knew of, he was willing to heal her. But she had to be solidly believing it. She kind of thought he would, but she had to get solid in it. And what made her solid in her faith was him resisting giving it to her without her expressing her faith adequately. You got me? So we can't have what we say without saying it in faith and without continuing mostly it's continuing to say it because anybody can say it for a while and for a season and then slack off quit forget your faith gets entangled in your situation and so Jesus comes to disentangle our faith and set it free so that it can work on our behalf. That's that's all he's about. Is getting our faith out. So it can work for us. Amen. As believers that's what we should be about. Getting people's faith free. So it can work for them. Amen. You, you want your you want people to, to be, begin to believe God. You want them to begin to understand the things of God. Amen. 
So God is able. How much time do we have? How many? I think I'll just finish up with this a little bit more and just talking about faith. We'll do the other one tomorrow. I was kind of thinking I wouldn't wouldn't quite have the time for it. But I like to give God enough time to, to help us to understand these concepts. Because, yeah, so the disciples though, in wanting their faith increased, Jesus began to teach the parable of the mustard seed. So I'm going to go to that if I can find it real fast. Thank you, Jesus. If anybody has a quick concordance, see if you can help me find. I got my funny little Bible here. Now, don't everybody speak up at one time. The parable of the mustard seed. Lord, increase our faith. Okay. Thank you. Luke 17. Maybe fifteen, seventeen. I don't see it there. Luke seventeen. Okay. Better be. Okay, now good. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Miss Wada. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> Now, one of the examples he gave, and this is a good one, if you look at verse 4. Jesus is talking about the number of times you must forgive someone. And then immediately they said to him, increase our faith. So they're talking about increasing their faith. They say, Lord, I just can't believe we got to forgive people like that. Because they do this and they do that and I wasn't wrong and I'm innocent and blah, 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 blah. This is so important to Jesus that we live a forgiving life and a offense-free life. That he hinges all the success of all of our prayers on this one principle. Is are you willing to forgive? And so he also reverses some thinking uh where it was he said you've been told in old times if if uh you know an eye for an eye a tooth for a tooth and then he starts talking about forgiving people and not not and blessing those who curse us this is totally different from why because our success hinges on our righteousness righteousness is is applied to our life Number one, when we believe God. Number two, when we forgive. They, there's an interconnection between how your faith works 
and the condition of your heart, the purity of your heart. There are some things that that you must do in order to get your faith untangled so that it can work for you. And the main thing it gets tangled in is sin. When you don't forgive, your soul dominates and your faith has to shrink back. So forgiveness releases, frees your faith up from being entangled in your emotions and in your thoughts and in your judgment and right and wrong and all that kind of stuff. It, that becomes a non-issue anymore. And see when you tell people things like this, especially religious people, they're mad as hornets. Can you imagine the Pharisees hearing Jesus say that you have to forgive people? That you have to go to your brother if they've done something to you? You have to make the first overture to make it right? I mean seriously? They they did me wrong. Well I gotta go. You know we always say that. That is so important. See righteousness, forgiveness of sins is what separates Christianity from every other religion. There is not another religion that professes forgiveness of sins. Christianity is the only one. And so God knows that and he knows that it is central and key to our effectiveness for him in the earth. And that's why he makes it of paramount importance. He says when you stand for he says if, if, if your brother has something against you don't give me a gift. Leave your gift at the altar and go make it right. He lets us know what's so important to him is that we have forgiveness toward one another. It doesn't matter who's right and wrong. It really doesn't. Maybe in a legal sense in the court of, court of the land it does. And that's where it needs to be applied. But in God's kingdom everything's forgivable. So we cannot hold against one another any longer. And expect for our faith to work. Our faith to be free. And so when he says Lord increase our faith. He's talking about. I don't know if I can believe you that I've got to to forgive my brother over and over and over again. Why? Because most of us distance ourselves from people if they offend us too much. We just walk away. You know? We don't think that there's a way to preserve. Some relationships really are worth preserving. And that's why God commands this. He says... I bought you with my blood, I bought you with my blood, and I bought you with my blood. And these relationships are worth repairing. And that's why I've told you how to keep fellowship with one another. How to stay peaceful with one another. How to stay on one accord with one another. He said because you're all blood bought. You're all the same blood. You're all the same family. And these relationships are worth preserving. Because I said so. You may not think that person is worth much because of the way they treat you or the way you say they treat you 
Get yourself off the throne of your life. And put God on the throne of your life. And you'll begin to understand. He says when you judge your brother you've got a beam in your eye. He's got a little speck because he made a mistake. But you not only won't forgive him but you're holding it against him. So who's got the bigger block? You know, and so God breaks it down to us that that this forgiveness is so important. And so they said, Lord, increase our faith because we just we can't believe that. I don't believe you. You want me to just keep forgiving people. I got to take them to the law and persecute them at some point. And he said, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, in order what what is Jesus is saying, you don't need much. Forgiving somebody over and over again is not a great feat in other words. He says you're just doing what's required. You're not going over. You're not, this isn't a big deal. So he said if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed. You could move that mountain of hatred on the inside of you. That wants you to continue to dislike somebody because they make mistakes. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. You got me? In other words, we're all the same as far as God's concerned. Now, our problem is we don't think we're the same as people who do things that hurt us. But we are. We really are. And God sees us the same. We need forgiveness. They need forgiveness. huh? And if you don't believe it, he'll start proving it to you. Because you'll go through a string of situations where all you do is get in trouble. Huh? Anybody ever been there? You try to judge your brother and say how bad they are and how wrong they are. And they do this wrong and they do that wrong. Before you know it you're in the pokey and then you don't know how to get out. Because you don't spend enough time on yourself. Working yourself out of your trouble. And so God wants us to know that when he goes to increase our faith, he's really entangling us from from the dislike of his law. That's really what it is. We we get entangled in in condemnation and, and this can't be right and I I've, I've done this over and over again and I tried and I tried. He he was telling the disciples, just use a little bit of faith that you got and it'll move a mountain. But it's got to be disentangled from this judgmental thing that you have about people who offend you. You know, when when we offend people, we try and pretend like we didn't do anything. But when they offend us, we want to take them to the highest court in the land and string them up. And, you know, and all they did was was slip and, and you know, say something they should have said and shouldn't have said in front of everybody. You know what I'm saying? And then you go and see what you've done, huh? Been mad at everybody all day and cussed some people out and got on the phone and told everybody I told all the creditors off. <laughs> you know, we go to tirade when we get started. And so God shows us, yeah, you just like them. You don't like what they did. You got to forgive them, but you're just like them. Amen. Everybody's sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and continue to sin. 
you know that that saying uh, that they had in order to understand how I feel walk a mile in order to judge me walk a mile in my shoes you know unless you can really walk in somebody else's shoes you have no idea what they're up against you know sometimes you'll you'll talk to people and, and they'll begin to share things with you and then you'll start feeling like so small because there you were disliking them, judging them, all that kind of stuff. And and you think to yourself, man, how would I act if I, you know, I had that going on, you know. Didn't know where this was going to come from. At least I have security, you know, all of that. Uh, it, it, it makes a difference. But but discipline yourself, you know, to, to uh, forgive instantly. And your faith will increase. You walk in forgiveness. You shock you how much faith you have when you need it. Amen. Why don't we stop. Father we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you Lord for the goodness that comes with your word. We bless you. We praise you. We magnify you. In Jesus name. Amen. And praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Amen. Amen. So if anybody needs prayer. Come on up. I'll prayer for you. Praise God. I just need some true worshipers to stand to your feet right here. Come on. Oh, yeah, bye-bye.